at first when you're staring at something it may not seem to have any purpose and you may feel like I want to get out of here I need to leave here this isn't useful this is a waste of time it's sort of like a child being hugged and then they're like don't stop you know and they're trying to push you away but then you just hold them longer and then they're like and they just you know what I mean Welcome to the Renovari Podcast, a place for honest and unhurried conversations about interactive life with God. I'm Nathan Foster, and our guest today is the co-founder of Vileella, a retreat house nestled in eastern Ontario, midway between Ottawa and Montreal, Vivian David. Viv is also a Renovari Institute grad and spiritual formation support on Youth for Christ developmental team which provides resources to its some 900 staff across Canada. Oh, call me simple, but I confess, anytime you put a Latin word with something, I get a little intimidated. Visio Divina. What is it I'm supposed to find when I stare at a painting? Is it like those hidden pictures that were popular in the late 90s, where if you stare past it, it reveals some mystical magic? These things always seem to elude me. And honestly, I don't much care for old religious art. I find some of it kind of creepy. And so, to stretch myself a little, I thought it would be helpful to explore the topic of Visio Divina. One of my favorite things about doing this podcast is I get to learn. And a number of things from this interview have really stayed with me. In a sense, this conversation opened up an expanse of how I already use the visual to interact with God. That Visio Divina is far beyond just staring at an old painting. It sort of felt like a gentle, playful tap on the nose. A rediscovering the visual in my spiritual life has felt like an introduction to a new friend, a real friend. I spoke with Viv from Bileella in Ontario, Canada. What is Visio Divina, Viv? It's praying with your eyes, or starting praying with your eyes, and then it soaks into other parts of you. But I mean, the idea is happening all the time and you don't realize it you're actually looking all the time at the world and you're bringing it into your mind into your spirit up to god so you might see someone and then just start praying for them but if you want to be more intentional about when people say visio they would probably mean looking at a piece of art and letting that art be the start of prayer does that make sense it does and how do you do that? Well, I am, and I don't know, I'll let you confess for yourself where you are on this spectrum of things. I am highly distractible on a good day. And I, I don't know if there's anyone else out there listening who might relate to that sort of thing. But one thing about uh, art is that my eyes kind of bounce around like a little ping pong ball off of all the pieces of a piece of art. So if I'm looking at something that has faces, I'm looking back and forth between the faces, the relationships, the colors, shapes. And so it sort of draws you into a picture 
and you start wondering about it. And then it soaks into a space in you where you can kind of relate to that. So what you're saying is that it, it's something we do all the time. It's just taking a little extra pause or intentionality with what we're seeing. Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, some people would look at art that would be maybe more like what you think of like spiritually focused art. So like a, a scene that's depicting a scripture verse, and that might really help you to imagine a Bible passage that you've read before, but it never really came alive for you. And I know there was this um, one that I really enjoyed looking at earlier this year. And for some reason, it just really came alive. It was the face of Christ from the side view looking down. And there was the eight days of creation laid out like a half moon under him. And there was a little symbol for each day. And I just, for some reason, really could see myself like laying, looking up, face up at Jesus's face. And I guess in my mind, I'd never thought really of Jesus being there at creation before. It just, I don't know. I was like, I know that the Trinity is, has always been the Trinity and the Trinity was fully present at creation, but I never had seen Jesus at creation and saw this art. And I um, gathered with a group of friends once a week. So uh, once a week, I meet with them early in the morning. And then I meet with another group of friends later in the morning. So I guess if you think about it, it was a total of maybe two hours that I'd looked at this piece of art, but broken up over lots of wow. lots of little minutes here and there. And I started realizing, you know, it was just kind of gurgling up in me that I, I really felt that not only was creation something that happened in eight days, but I started to realize that creation is an ongoing thing. I am being created all the time. My body is, is, is being sustained and filled and upheld by Jesus all the time. So that piece of art was really surprised me because I, I wasn't looking for it to do that for me. I was just looking at it. I was just looking at a piece of art and all of a sudden it kind of started talking back to me a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Can I Vizio with like nature and like, can I look out my window? And You already do, probably. <laughs> I, <don't> wanna... <laughs> I do. This is what I'm wondering, because I will sit and just and just watch. Uh-huh. But what do you th- see? that doesn't count, right? That's not Vizio. That's Nate doing something he enjoys. So right. it doesn't count. You're right, because it only counts if you don't enjoy it. <laughs> right. Right. And it's got a fancy name, like Flexio Divina or Vizio. Right, right, right. <laughs> well... I am a real beginner in the world of spiritual disciplines, but from my understanding of people who've gone before us, like Dallas, is like when you don't have to think about something just happening, then it's really done what it's supposed to do in you and it's shaped you. So that is a visio. Well, tell me what happens for you when you're looking out the window. What do you see and what does it do in you? Oh, you're going to get me talking here. Um, the, uh, I, oh, gosh. I love just watching nature and just just sitting there and I'm listening and I'm thinking and I'm journaling and I'm praying, um, but all this stuff in the scene becomes unlocked. And I almost always find some connection to where I'm at in life and a metaphor in nature. I think that's beautiful. I also I think that perhaps beauty is best 
taken in with no agenda. There you go. And, and by that, I mean that if you're approaching something hoping to get a certain answer, then you'll probably miss the thing right beside it that's like the most amazing thing. And I like to talk to people like looking for God is like looking for birds. I don't know. Are you a bird watcher? Mm, no, I like, I watch them when I see them. Okay. You don't I'm know the names to, of all of I've them. I've tried, but it just, my brain doesn't work. <laughs> it's, just, it's the blue one, but yeah, I try. Or, or if someone, for example, is looking for a shooting star, you know, what you kind of want to do is I explain it like you just kind of blur everything. You just kind of keep swooping with your eyes. Does this make sense? You're sort of kind of keeping your sights broad and available and open. And if you stare at one tiny point in the sky, you know, you can't kind of have this overview. Just like the same as in nature. I think that God made creation to be very soothing to us, to be, it's home for us. It's very spacious it speaks to us of the nature of the creator. So we notice, oh, God works like this, God works like that. But we don't realize we're noticing that. So I think when we're coming to nature, when we're coming to God's creation, we are, without even realizing it, coming in contact with the fingerprints of God. Okay, so do you, I, I love this, there's kind of no agenda, um, uh, and, and that opens me up to see more, in a sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you, what is your practice? Do you find a painting and say, I'm going to spend a half hour with this? Oh my gosh, I couldn't do that. I, I would like to think that I could sit for half an hour with something. But, um, you know, it's, it's sort of like sitting down next to a highway and listening for a bird. You, you, you know, there's going to be some cars coming by along the way. <laughs> so break it down. I, don't, I think 30 minutes might sound, it sounds a little daunting at best. You're like... Uh, I would say, yeah, sit with something that seems inviting, that doesn't answer all your questions, that maybe even makes you ask some questions. I like to look for pictures of Jesus that make me see him outside of how I would have thought about him. There's this one picture we picked um, for, we do it month by month. So it was Jesus and he had the piercing in his side. But it was kind of this Italian painting where it was very, very realistic. And he actually was kind of showing you his wound with this look on his face, like almost saying, like, I dare you to poke me in the wound. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can handle this piece of art. And the more I kept looking at it, the more it was inviting me to come into knowing the suffering of Christ and that he conquered death. So I, I've never, I didn't expect that. But again, when we approach with wonder and curiosity, then we're ready to receive any number of insights from God through something, you know? So it would be a little like sitting down to read a book. I'm going to sit down and read visually, like a, a, a painting or, or scene. Would that, is that how you would do it personally? The nice thing about it is if, if, I don't know. For me, when I read a book, I sometimes notice that my eyes are bouncing around on the page and I read that sentence and I read the other sentence and then I go back and read the other sentence. Do you ever do that? Mm, yes, I do. Yeah. If, if you do that, it's a little bit hard to read a lot of a page, you know, because you should have, you're kind of, it's like a dryer and you're tumbling all the things around in, the, in a scattered order. However, with the image, the beautiful thing about it is that you can kind of 
absorb it in any order you wish and it still can speak to you. It would be like Boggle. Do you ever play Boggle? You shake up all the letters and see what words they spell. So the, the beautiful thing about gazing upon art is that it can be looked at uh, in a scattered way. And I actually think it is healing and it actually helps you to recover from busy brain and from scattered thoughts. And it actually draws you home in it. it. It's like a weighted blanket. It actually calms you down. If that makes mm, any oh, it sense. Does. It does. What is your practice for selecting a piece to use and how do you get a certain space in your house or what? I meet with some friends online. There's a little, I, I make up a little image and then a prayer that's a scripture mm -hmm. and then a prayer that's from somebody since, since scripture. Um, so then if you're kind of not sure where to look, you can read the prayer, you can read the scripture, you can go back and it's kind of like three mm -hmm. points and you can look between them. And then we, we open by reading out loud the scripture prayer. And then we have about 10 minutes to sit in silence with the image together. And then at the end, um, we read the closing prayer. And it's just as simple as that. And, um, this, this month, we have a picture. It's a beautiful, lovely picture of Joseph as a dad, just hugging this little chubby baby, Jesus. And uh, I like Joseph, because I think we forget that Jesus had a dad, a foster dad, a foster dad. Hey, hey. I mean, I guess you're a foster, so this is, you know, you, <laughs> you're familiar with, with that name. But this idea, you know, that the lineage of Christ came through the name of is beautiful. And then the scripture that we picked is then is Mary's song of of praise, Mother Magnificat. And then the little um, other verse is from John O'Donohue, and it says, take time to notice the quiet miracles that seek no attention. You mentioned you don't watch television. I want to tie that Why in. Why did I tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I let you said something really helpful. In, okay. in kind of the labor it required of you. Mm. Um, so can you tie that in a little? Like why you don't, I don't know why I don't. that ties in? So I want to say I wasn't always like that. When I was in college, I, I loved like HDTV. I, I'm like into like home decor, <laughs> you know, overnight makeover of your house and how on baking shows and all these kinds of things. So I wasn't, it wasn't like I just never liked TV actually what happened was as I started doing other things that I really enjoyed and I strategically removed my television from my common living space. I put it in a small space where I'd have to intentionally go to the television if I wanted to watch something. And it wasn't on unless I was very intentionally deciding to watch something. So my living room is just a space for living. That was intentional. And then I started realizing that I went less and less to the room to intentionally turn on the television because I realized that the things I was doing, I enjoyed doing. So I enjoy cooking, enjoy having people over, enjoy doing art or writing or reading or being outside or whatever. So 
uh, it actually doesn't feel like I'm fasting from anything. I actually forget that the rest of the world watches TV until they say something about it and I actually have no clue what they're talking about. And then I feel kind of silly, <laughs> mostly. But the big decision, it's kind of like having a really, really fun party. And then after everyone leaves the house and you're like, this is going to take a while to clean up, you know? <laughs> There's a lot of dirty dishes. There's confetti everywhere. And it felt like that in my mind. It was a good time when it was happening. But what was happening in my brain after was just a lot of aftermath of cleaning up the space. It was more scattered. I was more distracted, more unsettled. It was noisy. I couldn't hear people well. And my real life didn't match up with what I'd seen on the screen. So I just, without even realizing it, I started watching TV less and less. It's a form of visual meditation. Absolutely. Television just requires a, a cleaning up, whereas a painting, a piece of nature gives life, right? What we gaze upon fills us, right? You could think of it as the inner wardrobe of our life becomes full of the things we put into it. And so the types of ideas we fill ourselves with, and that's something Dallas talks about. In, and I know this last year we did the renovation of the heart as one of the book club selections. And when he talks about the things that fill us, he talks about images and ideas. Those are the two ones that really hit me hard. Is I go back to those things. They're my tethering poles. Is the kinds of pictures I pick up create truth in my in my inner life. And so if I fill it full of ideas that my body isn't the right way or my life isn't the right way or my house isn't the right way, then I have to reconcile that with with myself, you know? How does this fit into the practice of retreat? Or does it maybe? Okay, this might be a little interesting of a thread to follow. When we're children, we retreat into ourselves when we don't feel safe, right? So children can't go anywhere unless their parents buckle them into the car. So they go inside and they build castles inside. Sometimes some people make imaginary friends, you know, people uh, create a world. They create a kingdom. Now we talk about the kingdom of God and the way things, the governance, the way things ought to be. And so our inner kingdom is our space where we're the boss of everything. It's a safe space. And the ideas that we fill our minds with as children are the, are the modeling clay that we can take into that inner sanctuary and create the structures that, that are what we live around. The thing is that those spaces we create as children, we, we don't actually abandon them. They become the, the real working space of our lives. And so when we feel afraid, tired, burnt out, whatever, we retreat to those comfort spaces within us. The challenge is that often we've built those kingdoms to be so unlike the kingdom of God that they actually don't bring us the true relief. We can't really meet God in a space that isn't really godly, right? Does that make sense? It does. It will retreat places that are not life-giving. Yeah. I think that's what I'm, yeah. Right. So if, if as, a, as a young person, uh, I underwent a lot of trauma, the inner space that I went to is going to be to try to soothe me from that, but I may not know how to do that well. So I create all kinds of strange coping mechanisms and imaginary friends that tell me things that aren't true. So I like to think that our inner life is the retreat space that we 
always carry around with us. And scripture talks about our life being the temple of the Holy Spirit, being a sanctuary. So we get to decorate. sanctuary, huh? That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Scott Erickson has this really cool little picture where it's kind of like a hermit crab, and the church is like the shell, and it's like the, the person's walking around like a hermit crab with the, with the little church, and you're like, yeah, that's, that's true. We create an inner space that either does justice to honoring God or draws us away to self-worship. And so how we decorate that inner space and how, how we go into retreat day by day in little moments, because we just retreat in a, in a little moment. You know, you're sitting there, you're bored, you've got nothing to do, you go into your inner space and what that inner space tells us. So I think it's really interesting to consider as we become people who know the kingdom of God, we start refashioning. It's kind of like there was an era where certain stuff was stylish in your house and uh, people were rushing to go get certain types of curtains and paint their walls mustard yellow, you know, or whatever. And then, oops, that's not in style anymore. So now we refashion our homes. And as we become people of the kingdom of God, we come into our inner sanctuary and we realize, I think we might need a little update in here. And we start redecorating the inner space of our life. So the art that we hang on the inner space of our life is our picture of God and our picture of ourselves, which are the two most important things. That's what Trevor Hudson's always talking about, is how does our picture of God reflect on who God really is? And how does what God thinks about us, our picture of ourselves? So we've got all these portraits in there, and at the time it seems fitting, and then we go back and we go, you know what, that picture needs some updating. I actually have a more broad picture of who God is. So we decorate our inner space and then we retreat to it and it, it, it gives us life and Jesus meets us in the sanctuary. And then how does that practice tie into retreat in the tip, you know, traditional sense? For, for example, you've built a retreat house. Like how do these things connect? Ah, yeah. Remember, Nate, how you were talking about you looking out the window and you gazing upon the the world beyond you, and it also informed the world within you. So we can't simply live inwardly, and we can't simply live outwardly. Inwardly and outwardly, there's a connection. When we take ourselves on a walk in the woods, we take ourselves out into God's creation. And that is in a, a little mini retreat. It might be a half an hour retreat in a sense. You're going out into the world and it, and it teaches you something about the Lord. And then when we take a very intentional time to say, I want to step away from distractions, busyness, noise, that's, a, that's another intentional way of retreating from some of the regular patterns of our life. So I would say that we, we cultivate spaces of different sizes that fit into what's available to us. But retreating from your home or your family or your, you know, the things that you're familiar to, your daily routine is a beautiful way to notice the movements of God that have been happening in those spaces, but seeing kind of from the outside in a new, uh, more clarified way. Which is a form of visio? Well, if you have your eyes open, it is. (laughs) (laughs) What do you look for when you go on retreat? I like light. I actually move around my house strategically to follow the sun. Like in certain times of the day, I sit in some rooms. I don't even realize I'm doing it. 
but I actually like to be in certain rooms and certain chairs at certain times of the day. Do you know what I mean? Do you ever do that? No, but I, I would if I had the option. Okay. Like there's certain rooms that are just really nice in the morning and there's certain rooms that are nice in the afternoon. So I really like good light coming in and I'm actually really snobby about um, electrical lights too. So I really actually like nice lighting in a space that's not um, like fluorescent lighting. So good lighting, good colors that make me feel like it's calm and safe. Art on the walls. I like real art. I like not something that was printed, like somebody that used a paintbrush on that piece of canvas. original. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I guess there's a fancy word for that. It's original. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Real art. Yeah. Real art. Um, And then I appreciate when there's space to get away, like little pockets where you can kind of go to be alone and also nice cozy spaces where you can go to sit with a few people and chitter chatter. So it's sort of a breakdown of just different spaces that you can move through because I'm not the kind of person that can sit at a desk for eight hours and journal. God bless those people that that do. I'm probably jealous of them deep down, but I can't kind of discipline myself to buckle down in a, in a space for that long to debrief. So I kind of have to ping pong ball around. What kind of experiences are you hoping to craft with the retreats at the house? Well, I just had the wonderful privilege of getting to... Uh, take a wonderful formative course with the Jesuit Institute of South Africa, with Trevor and Anne-Marie and uh, a great team of people over there in South Africa. It's, it was virtual, and it was guiding us through um, facilitating the exercises of Ignatius of Loyola for other people. So I've been through the exercises. And one thing that Ignatius Um, One of the premises, one of the foundations of Ignatian spirituality is the belief that God really is doing something in people's life already, which is, I think, that's present in spiritual direction as well. And so not to, there's this one thing where he says is, let the creator deal with the creature. So don't get in the way of being between creature and creator let the creator just talk to his beloveds and so creating space and trusting that people really can figure out how to hear from god without us having to spell it all out for them that's really really important for anybody taking any retreat is that they find a space where there's a a trust that they actually can hear from god without having to be spoon-fed. We're getting near time. Is there, where should we go? Or did we do what we need to do? Uh, There's a couple ideas about eyes that are very important. One is babies before they have words, just absorb with their eyes. Very important idea for me is for people to recognize the um, healing power of gazing at the face of God and um, especially like when I mentioned that thing about trauma, that I think it actually can um, integrate you to yourself and bring you home to yourself. That's a really important idea that I'd like to capture is letting people know that at first when you're staring at something, it may not 
seem to have any purpose and you may feel like a actual kind of, I want to get out of here. I need to leave here. This isn't useful. This is a waste of time. And then to just kind of, it's sort of like a child being hugged and then they're like, don't stop, you know, and they're trying to push you away, but then you just hold them longer. And then they're like, and they just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just melt. <laughs> so I think there's something like, if you don't feel like you're relating to gazing at at something is like, let, let your resistance kind of come to the surface and then let it melt away and, and recognize there's, there's stuff to be actually like body healed within you through staying with gazing at things. I don't know. Maybe that's too wishy-washy. I found this so helpful, Viv, because physio kind of, I don't know. I just don't never got it or it just seems like I'm missing something, but I do it all the time. I sit and stare at the fire. And I learn. So that just really encourages me. When I was a baby, I remember all the art in my room. I spent so much time staring at that art under the age of one. I remember the items in the room. And my parents had no idea what these comforting things, things that just speak of like, you're safe, everything's okay, or like ABCs and educational stuff. Like the things you fill yourself with create that sense of safety. So if you gaze at a picture of the shepherd holding a sheep, that Psalm 23 is like coming into you in a very real way that it's like, I'm that sheep. I don't want to be that sheep. Why won't he just put me down? Stop holding me. It's like, why are you thinking that? Why are you feeling that? What resistance do you have to being held? Why do you, what do you, where do you want to go? Where do you want to run to? Pay attention. I just want to be put down, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think that I'm not sure how to how do you want to ask that about? But I think we've been doing Visio since before we could speak. I think it's our first, the, the whole like staring into your parents' face as they hold you, that whole like you can only focus about this distance as a child. Mm-hmm. It's like you imprint faces and those faces become your safe faces. You trace every movement of their, of their face in your mind, you know? It's our first language. And it's our last one. Yeah, I love that. When we leave this world, we often don't have a lot of words. Again, that was Vivian David talking about the spiritual practice of Visio Divina. You can learn more about Viv and her guided retreats at vilayala.com slash retreats. That's V-I-L-A-Y-A-L-A dot com slash retreats. And there you can request a member login password and learn more about joining a community of folks learning to build a regular rhythm of rest into their lives. I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to the Renovare podcast. I'm so grateful for all of you who helped make this work possible. You can support Renovare in this podcast with a tax-deductible gift at renovare.org slash donate. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort offering resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find a collection of thoughtfully curated articles, podcasts, webinars, online classes, as well as information on events in our institute on our website at renovare.org. This podcast is produced by Brian Morricon, who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. And until next time, be well, friends, be well.